Good morning, Dumplin'. How y'all doing? You can go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 22 this morning. Get situated. So uh, we're starting a brand new series. Last week we kind of finished our series on discipleship, but it was kind of the intro to the series. Um, so for the next few weeks, we're going to be focusing on the word surrender. Um, so what is it that you think of when you hear the word surrender? I want you to, I'm not, this is rhetorical. Thank you for raising your hands, kids. But I want you to think in your mind, when you hear the word surrender, what are some of those things that pop up in your mind? If you're a military man, you probably think, I'm not going to surrender, right? Um, some of you think of a white flag, you're surrendering in, in some type of war. Some of you think, you know, I'm letting something go, I'm surrendering it. Um, but what, what we're talking about this morning um, is, what if I said that God was calling you to surrender your blessings? What if, you know, I think a lot of times when we think of surrender, we think of, you know, something bad, maybe, you know. But what if God was calling us Maybe calling you specifically to surrender some of the things that he has blessed you with. Um, I want you to know this, that everyone has a calling on their life. The first call that God places on us is a call to salvation. It's a call to him. Um, he loves you so much that he wants you to be in a relationship with him. He wants to know you and for you to know him. And the second calling that we have on our life is to follow, right? That's what we've been going through for the past several weeks. What does it look like to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus? But God also calls us to surrender. Um, but like I said today, I want you to pray and ask God if there's something in your life that you need to surrender, whether it's good or bad, um, that he would reveal that to you throughout this morning. Um, so let's pray, and I'm excited about this series. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for um, this awesome worship experience, God, that we got to spend with you, God. Thank you for being here. Thank you for moving through the songs. Thank you for moving through um, the baptism and Tyler, God. But Lord, I pray that you move through your scripture um, God, that you reveal the things in our hearts that we um, are maybe worshiping rather than worshiping you, God. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would be with us this morning. Focus us. Focus our hearts and our minds, God. We love you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So Genesis chapter 2. If you don't know this, if you didn't grow up in the church, this is a story about Abraham, right? So Abraham um, is a man who lived Old Testament times. He's an actual, real person. He actually lived and the things that he saw in his life actually happened. And so Abraham was this man that God made a covenant between. He said, man, if you will be faithful to me, I am going to bless you. Right. And specifically, he was blessing Abraham through his offspring. And so um, years go on. Um, God tells him, you know, your, your offspring is going to outnumber the stars. It's going to be awesome. Well, years have gone by and Abraham still did not have a son. Abraham still didn't have uh, offspring, right? And so, there, and so instead of waiting on God and being faithful to God and holding on to his promises, we know what happened, right? Um, they kind of forced God to make a decision pretty much, right? So um, Sarah, Abraham's wife, um, comes and says, hey, why don't you sleep with my servant? That way you can have a child and we can have an heir to all the wealth that we have. Um, and, you know, and God will fulfill his promises through this child. And we know that that happened with Hagar, right? And who was their son? Ishmael, right? So Ishmael. Um, but we know that God wasn't pleased with that. And so the blessing that God was trying to give Abraham, telling him to wait, did not fall when it comes with Ishmael. And so years go by and he was 100 years old. And finally, God fulfilled his promise and they gave birth to who? To Isaac. There we go. Y'all wake up. Come on. I know you know it. 
they gave birth to Isaac. So with that being said, um, what we're about to read, I believe, is the second greatest act of sacrifice in the history of mankind. Um, the greatest act of sacrifice was Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. Uh, but I want us to really focus in on the story of Abraham. Y'all ready? I don't think you're ready. Y'all ready? Yeah. Come on. All right. Uh, Genesis chapter 22, verse, starting with verse 1. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. And it says this. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Now, I just want to make a quick comment on that. Um, just, just to know this, God doesn't tempt us. I know the King James Version might say tempted. Um, translated, it's like a test. It's not, God doesn't tempt us to do anything bad. God doesn't tempt us into sin. That's not what God does. But God will test us. God will test us and, and so that we can grow, so that he can see how faithful we're going to be to him. But God will never tempt or test us into sin. All right? You guys with me on that? All right? Amen? Good. Moving on. Verse 2. It says this. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Verse 4 says, On the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. Verse 6, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they, both, they went both of them together. Verse 7, And Isaac said to his father, uh, Abraham, my father, and he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place God had told them. And Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand, took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from the heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from the heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and not have withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemy. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So, Guys, this is an amazing story, right? Abraham, who's 100 years old, finally receives the blessing that God has given him through his son Isaac, right? And, he's, and it's, I just want you to imagine that for a second. You've waited for that long, and now you have the blessing that God has promised you. And then you hear God go, Abraham, yes, God, here am I. Go sacrifice that blessing. Go sacrifice your son. 
So now we get to this point where God is calling him to lay down the blessing that he has been waiting for. Now, in your Sunday school um, lesson that you might have heard growing up, right? Some of you might have even taught the lesson. A lot of the times they focus on where the angel says to stop right before he was to kill his son, right? And we say, you know, God is going to protect the people. And that's kind of the Sunday school focus. But the crazier part than Abraham just sacrificing his son was that God called him to be a burnt offering. Now, I don't know if you've ever not burned someone, right? but I don't know if you've ever burnt something. When you burn something, there's no coming back from that, right? A few years ago, my family lost their house in California. It wasn't part of the California burn, like the situation, but electrical fire, and we lost everything. Uh, pictures, we can't, you know, we had a few pictures that we tried to restore, but there's no coming back from something being burned. And so I want you to think about that for a second. God didn't call him just to sacrifice him. He called to totally give him up, to totally surrender him to God. Think about that for a second. Something that you waited, you're 100 years old. How many of you are 100 years old? Close to it. Some of you act like you're 100 years old, right? Not even 40 years old yet. Act like you're 100, right? But waiting when you're 100 years old and you finally get to the point where God blesses you with what he promised you. And God says to let it go. Completely surrender. Let it go. But we know that God steps in and stops him and Abraham looks over and what does he see in the bush? A ram, right? God had provided. So I want you to know this. Every time God calls you to, rent, to surrender something, every time you surrender something to God, God is going to give you his best. Okay, this isn't some like self-help type of sermon. This isn't some um, prosperity sermon. This is reality. When God calls you to surrender, it's not because he's trying to take away. It's because he's trying to give you more. Right? I heard a pastor say on surrender that surrender is the act that allows God to bless us in the way that he really intends to bless us. So surrender is that act. Most people, they'll believe that surrender means subtraction from their life. They, they look at it as subtraction. Surrender might mean to them, oh, I have to stop doing this. Oh, I have to stop looking at this. Oh, I have to stop being like this. And, and, and they see it as something that is subtraction. But I want to tell you that God isn't in the business of subtracting. He's in the business of multiplying. He's in the business of multiplying. He told Abraham, because of your faithfulness and you surrendering, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply this blessing. Right? And, I'm, and like I said, this isn't prosperity. I'm not saying if you surrender your money, God's going to make you a millionaire. But I promise God will provide a ram when you need one. You understand what I'm saying? I don't think so. Y'all are kind of quiet this morning. Y'all don't like the whole surrendering your blessing thing, huh? I see. Either do I, but God calls us to it sometimes. The reason why we tend to think that surrender equals subtraction is because when someone finally gives their life to Christ, right? I want you to go back and think, maybe some of you are young. In my case, I was young. Or maybe even when you were maybe backsliding and God called you back to him. When we first do that, when we first make that decision to follow God, we all tend to hear this little voice in our head. You know, man, do you really want to do that? Do you, do you really want to let that go? Are you, are you sure? Man, I don't know if you, you, it's not going to be fun if you don't have this in your life. You sure you want to stop taking those pills? You sure you want to stop getting drunk? You sure you want to stop sleeping around? Right? I don't know. And when you hear that voice, I, I just know this. That is a lie straight from the hell and the enemy is trying to put into your mind so that you will not focus on God, but focus on yourself and what you think you need in your life. 
I want you to hear that. That is a straight lie from hell. He's, uh, it, the devil lost. When, you, when we surrender our lives to Christ, when we give our lives to Jesus, the enemy, the devil has lost. He has no victory. But what he can do is try to take our focus off of Jesus. Right? And so we'll hear those things. Are you sure God wants you to, take, to surrender that? Are you sure you want to do that? And I've heard that. How many of you have heard that before? Right? If you haven't, then maybe you need to surrender something. Right? Maybe you're listening to that little voice, right? Um, but Abraham, I want you to think about that it's the opposite. It's not subtraction. It's the opposite. Abraham takes his most prized possession, his son, and goes to the spot that God told him to go. And when God shows him how he provides right through the ram, Abraham sees that God wasn't trying to take away his blessing, but maybe God was really just trying to show, love me more than you love the blessing I'm giving you. Love me more than the blessings that I'm giving you. That's hard, right? That's a hard thing. Surrender is a place not of subtraction, but is a place where God is moving into your heart, moving in your life, trying to get you to focus back on him. And at some point, um, even Abraham says, man, this is a place, right? The place where he was called to sacrifice his son as a burnt offering. He said, this is a place where God provides. That's what he named the mountain. This is a place of blessing. A place that was going to be meant for destruction and death, right? Subtract or surrender. Abraham says, this is a place where God provides. When God is calling you to surrender, it's not because, you know, you're out here doing your own thing. It's because God is drawing you to a place where he wants to do something big in your life. But we take it as a sign of, oh, God wants to subtract something from me. God wants to take what I love away from me, Right? Abraham said, this is a place of, uh, where God provides. So what does God call us to surrender? Um, think about Abraham and what Isaac meant to him. Okay? In those days, Isaac represented family. Okay? They wanted a what? A son. They wanted a son um, from God, right? And as, he, as God promised them. Um, because Abraham, you know, pretty much a wealthy guy in the Old Testament, Right. He, he, he was well off. He, he was good to go. But his problem was, I don't have a son to give what I have if I was to die. I don't have anyone to pass this on to. And so he says, God, if I were to die, I'm going to have to give this to my my helpers, right? my servants. And so a son meant to Abraham family. Right. Um, but we know that through um, the book of Luke 14, 26, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, his mother, his wife, his children, brothers, sisters, yes, even his own life. He cannot be my what? Disciples. Right? And so I think what God was saying here is that he is a jealous God and he has every single right to be a jealous God. Because God is God. There is no other. Right? Jealousy is a sin when it comes to us because what jealousy is is I see something that somebody else has and I want it. Right? God can't sin with jealousy. So when God says he's a jealous God, he can't be jealous like we're jealous because the things that we own, God truly owns it. God is the creator. He's the sustainer. He's the provider. So everything belongs to God. So in a sense, he can't be jealous of things, but he can be jealous in the fact that he will not come in second place. God is so holy. He's so powerful. He's so mighty that he will not come in second place. And so this verse isn't saying hate our family. This verse is trying to tell us, hey, God comes first. If your blessing is your son, Abraham, and you're making it number one in your heart, surrender. 
And so to me, this is, this is my own kind of what I, I kind of took from the scripture, is that in this time with, I, with Abraham, he finally, you know, he had faith in God. God, I know you're going to provide for me. I know. How many of you believe that God's going to provide? If you put your trust in him, he will bring you through, right? And I believe that Abraham had that in his heart and had that in his mind. But when God finally answered his prayers and finally gave him a blessing, Abraham took that and stopped worshiping God. Maybe stopped, not in a sense of where he doesn't believe in God, but maybe he put, now that he has a blessing, he, you know, he's good now. He's content. He doesn't need that hard faith that he used to have before he had the blessing, right? So to me, I think what was happening was that God wasn't trying to take away Isaac. He was trying to get Abraham back. I think think Isaac had replaced God in Abraham's heart and replaced um, God in in Abraham's uh, life. And God wasn't trying to subtract Isaac. He was trying to get Abraham back. You see what I'm saying? Right? Now, y'all look tired Come on. This, uh, this blew my mind this week. Maybe it's not blowing yours, but this is what, this is what God was telling me. That maybe um, the fact that Abraham maybe became content, God was saying, no, 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 I have more for you. Uh, th- this because I blessed you this once doesn't mean I'm done blessing you. I got more for you. I want to multiply. I want to make it deeper for you. I want to make it more real for you. But you have to put me first. If I'm not first, Abraham, you're focusing on your son, and that's just the beginning. I've got more. I've got more for you. So Isaac represented family. What does God call us to surrender? Isaac um, represented family. He also represented wealth. Like I said earlier, Abraham was financially off. He needed something, um, or he needed somebody to, to pass on his, his wealth and all this, his land and stuff. And some of you are at that point in your life where you're starting to think, man, I don't know if I should give this to my son, my daughter, right? Maybe, maybe your son's an idiot and you don't want to pass on your wealth to them. Um, I will gladly take it if you don't want to give it to your, your son if he's an idiot. I won't be one, right? Um, but... Isaac also represented not just wealth, but security, right? Abraham said, man, I need someone that is going to protect me when I'm old. So someone doesn't try to come and kill me for my wealth. Someone's going to, who, who's going to protect me. So Isaac was also like an insurance for Abraham. Um, and then the third thing that Isaac represented was, was uh, community acceptance and respect. See, I, we don't truly understand what it meant in those days to have a son. That, that gained you instant respect in your community. Right, that you produced a son. And uh, so what happened now, Abraham has one, right? 100 years old has a son, right? Bless him, right? But I want you to imagine what would happen when Abraham, if God didn't provide for him, that ram. And Abraham actually murdered his son and offered him as a sacrifice. Abraham would have came down the mountain and have been known forever, not as the man who has wealth, not the man who has a son, but a man who murdered his child. So really, in reality, Abraham was laying more than just a son down. He was laying down his respect, his, uh, his uh, um, reputation in the community. He was laying down way more than just his son. But God told him, lay him down. Surrender it. What is it. What is worth more to you? What people think about you? Your status in the community? Right? The blessings I give you, what's, is it worth more than actually following me? And I think that's what happened to Abraham. So really, uh, 
You know, Isaac meant everything to him, and God comes and says, surrender him. But notice, when God comes to us and, and says surrender, there's always a time in our life, right, where God's going to call us to surrender something. Maybe it's because we're kind of backsliding, God's going to say surrender, and there's a, been a point in your life, I hope, that you go, yes, I surrender my all to you, I surrender everything, right? I love the song that you sang because we sing those songs, I surrender, all right? How many of you have seen that song before? Right. All of you, every single one of you. So there's some point in our lives where we have actually came to God and said, yes, God, I hear you calling me to let this go. And it might have been some type of sin or something. And we surrender it. God, I surrender it all to you. And we probably have meant it. But there's moments that come where God says surrender. And he tests us, you know, in specific areas of our lives and says surrender that. And we go, wait a minute. I didn't know that was involved in this whole thing. Right. I didn't know that, God, you were going to call me to, to talk about that. That's, I, I give you all of this part of my heart, but this little box over here, this is between me and me. Right? God, you can have all of this. You can have my Sunday mornings, God. You can have my Sunday nights sometimes, right, depending on what football game's on. Right? Uh, you have my Wednesday nights if I'm not too tired from work. Right? But, God, when you tell me to surrender this, I don't know. Ooh. We might not say that out loud, but we do it. In our hearts, God will always call us to something, and it can be a test. It could be your money. It could be your family. It could be your relationships, your own uh, personal habits, ministry. Even as a minister, God can tell me, hey, Donnie, give me your ministry. Right? Sometimes preachers hold on to things. Your talents, your looks. I don't know what it is for each of you, but I promise you this, that when, uh, when you surrender what God is calling you to let go, and that means that he's working in your life, and that's a good thing. That means it's going to lead to something good. It's never going to lead to something bad. God doesn't work in bad. God only works things out for the good of those who trust and obey and listen to him. So when you're coming to a place of surrender where God's specifically saying, let this go, do it. It's leading to something good. It's leading to blessings rather than subtractions. You will never lose something when you surrender to God, but you will always gain something. And hopefully you would gain more of Jesus. Um, there's always going to be something in your life, in your heart, um, that we have to surrender. I think the problem we face as Christians, though, is that we surrender our lives to Jesus at some point um, and think that was good enough. But as long as we're alive, there's always something in our hearts that's trying to compete for God's place. There's always going to be something competing for God's place. Most of the time, we think of surrendering, surrendering to God, we think of some type of sin. Right. Um, I, for example, uh, I love I'm going to use Tyler again as an example this morning. We were talking and, and you know, he accepted Christ and he goes, OK, I got to stop doing this. I got to stop doing this. Right. Praise God that he sees that in his life and he needs to let some sins go. I wish that more of us would be like Tyler and say, I need to let these sins go out of my life. Right. We know we're sinners. We know we have that curse inside of us. But as a Christian, your goal should be to pursue holiness to the point where you hate sin so much that you're willing to do anything you can to get it out of your life. The Bible even says if your right hand causes you to stumble to do what? Cut it off. Right. So as Christians, yeah, there's sins in our life that we have to let go. But that's not the only problem. I think the real problem with surrender and Christians that is when it comes to surrendering um, blessings, we don't want to do. When God gives us something as a blessing, we don't want to let it go. Right. Our blessings to me, I think, are the biggest threat to Christians. It goes back to the Israelites. Right. You guys know we've been studying the Israelites on Wednesday nights. If you're not coming on Wednesday nights. 
Um, you should come. It's been awesome. We're, we're in the New Testament now. But look at the Israelites' life. They, got, they were blessed with freedom from the Egyptians, right? You guys know the story. They were held captives in slavery for generations and generations. And God blesses them. They escape through this miraculous event. And as soon as they get to the other side, God goes, okay, here's some rules for you to follow because you're crazy and you're not going to follow me. I know it. So here's some rules, right? And they come down from the mountain. Um, Moses and God, or Moses comes down from the mountain from speaking with God. And what were the Israelites doing? Right? They made a golden calf out of all the gold and silver that they had, made an idol. And God told them the first thing, don't do this. They, all the blessings that they received, they made into their own God. Right. So this goes back all the way to the Israelites. But um, I want you to know that Isaac represented a blessing that God had given Abraham. Um, And so what are the blessings in your life that you're hanging on to? What what are some of the things in your life that God has blessed you with that maybe is in your heart in first place rather than second, third place? For me, the big one that God had to really take from me that I really had to surrender was basketball. Okay, I love basketball. And I don't know if you watched the Tennessee game last night. It drove me nuts, all right? I don't know if any of you watched March Madness. It's, it, it, it broke my heart, lost by two points, all right? But anyways, I love basketball. Um, grew up playing basketball. I love it. I was pretty good at it. I was able to, to do some good things in high school. I was the, um, the captain of the team. And, but what tended to happen was it started consuming my life. Right, the talent that God gave me was consuming me. All I could think about was basketball. All I could dream about was basketball. All I prayed about was God let me play better in this next game. Uh, it just consumed my life. It took every hour of my day. If I wasn't in school, I was at a basketball court. After church, I was trying to go to church to play basketball. Get out of church, I was playing more basketball. Right? I love it. Okay? So when God calls me to be a pastor, right, I was 12 years old. Um, I knew I had to go to college, and my first thought of going to college was, I'm going to go play what? Basketball, right? That was, I'm going to, okay, God, yeah, I'm going to college, right? I'm going to go play basketball. So I get there, and I, I went from being one of the tallest on the team to this is college basketball now. I'm the shortest on the court, right? So my whole world was kind of rocked there. Um, but God was telling me to let it go, Right? And I would not. My freshman year was completely consumed with, I, I, I wasn't paying attention in my Bible classes. I wasn't doing ministry. I wasn't doing any of that. My heart was set on basketball. And God was telling me, let it go. And here's a part of my testimony I love sharing. I also like skateboarding, right? I'm a California kid. It's just kind of in your blood, right? You just do it. You just skateboard, right? And God was telling me, Donnie, let basketball go. And I just could not, no, I can't let that go, God. I got a call from a church um, in the town, a couple of towns over, saying, hey, we want to build a skate park, and we want you to run the skateboard ministry. It's the first one in East Texas, period. We want you to do it. And I said, no, <laughs> it's not happening. I'm playing basketball, right? And the coach told me I wasn't good enough anyways, but I'm playing basketball, right? I'm going to do what my heart, God has blessed me with these talents. Um, maybe he blessed others a little more than me, but I'm going to play basketball. And I remember that it almost caused me into a depression of hearing God say, let this go. I, I know you love it. You can go play in the parking lot somewhere. Let it go. I have more for you. I have more. I want to bless you more. And I remember I finally let go. I finally told the coach, hey, I think God's telling me to surrender basketball. And I went to the other church. And as soon as I stepped into the skate park that they built, I knew this is what God was calling me to do. Right? 
basketball was first in my heart. It wasn't God. It wasn't me saying, God, if you want me to play basketball, I'll do it. It was God, hey, I'm letting you know I'm going to play basketball. Right? But as soon as I surrendered that, man, it was, it was my, my whole world was upside down. It was awesome. The skate ministry blew up, and it took me to Costa Rica, to Florida. It's taking me all over the world um, doing ministry for him. But if I would have held on to that, I don't think I would be here this morning. See, God is not in the business of trying to take something that you love out. I still love basketball, and I still beat anybody in here one-on-one. That includes Evan and Gracie, right? <laughs> but the blessing that I got, man, I would surrender more right now. I would let it go. So think about the things that God has maybe blessed you with. Maybe, like I said, it's your family, your wealth, your personality, your power, your position. And think about what it meant for Abraham to let his things go. And look at the blessing that came with that. Um, the, the threat for Christians that we always face and we have to be careful with is that we never worship creation rather than the creator. That's the thing that we fall into constantly. We worship what God created rather than just the creator himself. And that's why God is not going to come in second place. He will not fall in second place. Abraham prayed for a son and he finally gets it. And it takes um, God's place in his heart. God says, lay it down. He didn't want Isaac dead. God's not into baby sacrifices, okay? He's not into that. That's not what he was trying to do. But he was trying to get his friend Abraham back. I want you back, Abraham. And he says the same thing to us. I want you back. It's not that I want you to feel miserable. I don't want you to feel depressed. I don't want to take something away from you. I just want you. That's what God is saying to us. Surrender because God is going to bless it. Um, In Exodus, right, God gives us ten commandments and tells us that he is that jealous God. Um, But the best way that I can put how God is a jealous God is in the book of Hosea. Um, if you, how many of you ever read the book of Hosea? It's one of my favorite books, right? It's so good. So this is what God does, right? This is another Old Testament example. God comes to Hosea and he says, hey, I want to use you as an example. And that's always a scary thing for, to hear from God, right? I want to use you as an example of how messed up things are. Okay, I don't want to be that example. Okay, I'd rather be the example of how good things are going, right? So he comes to Hosea. I want to show how I feel in my relationship with the Israelites, my relationship with man. And so he tells Hosea, go marry a prostitute. Okay, this is also, God's not, you know, don't go marry a prostitute. Okay, this was a one example right here. And not just any prostitute, a prostitute named Gomer. Okay, don't go marry a prostitute named Gomer. But what God was doing was saying, I want you to see how it feels to love somebody, to adore somebody, to think that they're the best thing ever. And, has it, and how does it feel to know that they are not being faithful to you, that they are loving somebody else, not just one person, but they're loving other things way more than they love you. I want you to feel how that feels. And that's the same thing that God is telling us. Hey, I want you to see what it feels like for me to love you, but you love other things more than me, right? So God is a jealous God because he is God. There is no other. And so I believe what's happening here is that when he tells him to go and sacrifice his son, it wasn't so that he can um, take away a blessing, but to give him more, to put himself back into first place in Abraham's life. Um, And I want you to know this too, that just like Hosea and Gomer, that that illustration, God is absolutely crazy about you. 
God loves you more than anything else in this entire world. God thinks that you are the best thing. Even through the worst times in your life, God thinks that you are the best thing ever. There's nothing that you can do to to take his love away. There's nothing you can do to add more love to it. God just loves you. And in Hosea, if you read it, God says that he's wooing you. Right? We are the bride. We are God's bride. The church is Jesus' bride. And I explained that a couple of weeks ago. Jesus doesn't play games with his bride. Just like I don't play games with my wife. You, don't, you can say whatever you want to me. I'm going to protect my wife though. Right? God does the same thing. Hey, I love you so much. You are my bride. We are married with Christ. But he's going to do everything he can to protect our hearts. And if God is at number one in our heart, he's going to call us to surrender things. John 10, 9 says it, and 9 and verse 10 says it best, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, this is Jesus saying, I came to give you life, and life what? Abundant. More abundant. More abundantly. Right? But you have to realize that, uh, that abundant life, right, the blessing that God wants to give us has to come with us fully surrendering to God. That's the only way that we're going to get this abundant life, this life of not, you know, it's not prosperity, but a life that God intends us to have, right? You have to come to a point where you're going to surrender. God is not going to come in second place, um, but know that he wants to take the blessing to a whole nother level. God wants to take your relationship with him to a whole nother level that you have not even imagined being on with God. You guys with me this morning? So, here, so I'm hoping um, what's happening in your mind, I hope that it's not so comfortable and warm in here that you're falling asleep on me, right? Uh, but I hope that in your heart you're going, okay, well, Donnie, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. So how do I surrender? Um, first, if we look at Abraham, it started with the conversation. Uh, go back to Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. I just want you to see it. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Alright, so in today's terms, it's like, hey, bro, what's up, man? This is what I want you to do. Grab your son, the one that I gave you, go sacrifice him. Right? And so the first step to surrendering is having a conversation with God. Is you spending time in prayer, asking God, God, what is it in my life that I'm putting up higher than you? What is it in my life that is number one or maybe number two and three and God, maybe you're four or five and sometimes God's not even on your list anymore. The conversation has to happen. God, what is it in my life that I need to let go of? And I promise you, if you see God, He's going to find you. Right? He will show you. He will reveal things to you. But it has to start with the conversation. Right? The second step to surrendering is surrendering now. Right? Surrendering right now. Look at, and this is the hard part, it's to be fully obedient. Look at verse 2 and 3. Verse 2 says this, He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Verse 3, So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac, and he went, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place that, that God had told him to go. It was immediate. He didn't say, okay, God, I hear you. You're telling me to surrender my son. Let me and my wife talk about it first and make sure that this is a part of our life plan. He didn't do that. He didn't say, let me mourn for my son because this is going to be intense, right? I love my son. He didn't do that. He didn't sit and contemplate. He didn't ask questions. He did what God called him to do. It was immediate. So surrender requires immediate obedience. 
Immediate obedience. You guys with me? Come on, man. Y'all are tired this morning, right? It was immediate. He didn't contemplate. He didn't mourn. He was just obedient. I heard a pastor say before that delayed obedience is disobedience and partial obedience is disobedience. You guys hear that? Um, I have a personal example, and we're going to be wrapping up from this. Um, when I was in the fifth grade, that's when I really started getting excited about my faith, right? I was doing a discipleship class, and we were, I was going door knocking, and, and I was just excited about my faith, right? And uh, it was a uh, sixth grade year, sorry. And so we're going from, middle, from elementary to middle school. This was our last day of summer break, and I had a friend of mine. His name was Jose Yepes. And me and Jose were, we, this is how we became best friends. We, we beat each other up, right? We got into a fight. Um, I don't even remember what it was about, but we got into a fight on the playground and became best friends after school, right? Our fifth grade year. So from fifth grade to sixth grade, I felt God telling me, share the gospel with him. Share the message with him. But Jose was cool, right? He was, he was one of the cool guys, and I didn't want to look foolish in front of him. And so I, I, I will, God, I will. I will. I'll, I'll share the gospel with him. And then the whole year goes by, never did it. Right, so the last day of our elementary school, we're sixth grade. Right, uh, we call each other um, in that morning. Say, hey, after school, let's run home. We'll get we'll get our swimsuit on. We're gonna go to the river because there's a river in our the little town that we're in has a rope swing. There's some homeless people down there. We go mess with them. Right, it was awesome. Okay, that's what we're gonna go do after school. And so all day long, I'm thinking, man, I'm gonna. This is when I'm gonna share the gospel with them. Right, today's gonna be the day. No one's gonna be around us, just me and him. I'm not gonna be embarrassed. It's gonna be awesome. So after school, we rode our bikes, our bikes home. He lived around the corner. Here I live. I go in. I don't even talk to my mom. Don't talk to my grandma. Put my shorts on. I'm gone. My mom runs outside. Get in the house. Right? I'm like, no, mom. Like, so she said, you're grounded. You didn't ask me. You gotta clean your room. Blah blah blah. I'm like, mom, you don't understand. Jose is going. I gotta meet him there. He said, no, I don't like it. You're not going. I said, oh my, mom, you don't understand. I was going to share the gospel with him. I kind of threw that in there, right? To see if she would maybe let me go. No, you can do it later. And so, call. Um, hey, man, I can't go. Uh, I'll, see you. I'll see you later, man. It's summer vacation. We'll get together. Don't worry about it. I wake up in the morning, make a bowl of cereal. And I'll never forget this. I, I was eating a bowl of cereal, and the news came on. And it was my friend, Jose. Um, not just Jose, but his two younger brothers. Miguel, and I forgot, I honestly forgot his younger brother's name, but his two little brothers. And what happened is the younger one got into the river, and uh, it, was, it was really swift. And he started drowning, so the middle brother went in Miguel. And I knew Miguel, and, and he couldn't pull his brother out. And so my friend Jose jumped in to save his brothers, and they found them all three um, on the side, all drowned. Um, and I, at that point, I, I didn't feel like it was my fault. Right? It, it took a while to get to this point, but... Um, I just want you to imagine that for a second. And years had to go by before I actually, you know, brought this up again. It kind of, kind of made my heart hard, but I started praying about it and asking God, hey, was that my fault? And God said, man, it's, Donnie, it's not your fault. You know, it's not your fault that that happened. And uh, I still felt guilty for it, right? But what I heard God say was, next time I tell you to do something, just do it. Next time I tell you to do something, do it. And so what I want you to do today, what you need to do throughout this week, is that God calls us to surrender things. Sometimes it's a blessing. Sometimes God blesses us with beauty and talent. Don't let that become the thing that you worship. God has to come in first place. It might be a sin that you're struggling with. Uh, it might be um, drug addiction. It might be pornography. It might be gossiping. It might be lying. It might be cheating. 
I don't know what it is, but God is always calling us to surrender something. To, to, to surrender something. Um, and the response would be just like Abraham. Do it now. God, I hear you calling me. I will do it now. I mean, so I'm going to have the, the worship team come up. Know that God calls us first and foremost to salvation. If you are not a believer, um, if you've never came to a point in your life that you have surrendered your life to Jesus, God is calling you right now. Um, God is tugging on your heart. I believe some of you in here right now. But if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, do it today. Don't delay. Um, God also calls us to follow. If you have surrendered your life, but you've never followed Him, maybe in baptism, maybe you've never joined a church, maybe you haven't shared your faith, maybe you're not in the mission, God is calling you to follow Him. Do it now. But like today we talked about, God might be calling you to surrender something. The first step, I want you to pray about things in your heart that maybe God's trying to tell you to surrender. And He'll tell you. He might not tell you today, but seek Him. Say, God, is there anything in my life that is taking your spot? Because I don't want that. I want to worship you, God. I love the Creator. I love creation, but I love you. I don't want to get to heaven. And if you're not there, I don't want to be there either. I want you, God. I think a lot of us might get to heaven, and if Jesus wasn't there, we would be okay because we're in heaven. That's wrong. I want to be with Jesus. Jesus. So if God's calling you to surrender something, I'd love to pray with you. If you want to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'd love to pray with you. If you want to follow God through baptism, you want to join the church, I'd love to pray for you. But the altar is here for you to do business with God between you and Him. Isaac meant everything to Abraham. But God is in the business of subtraction. He's in the business of multiplying. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.